Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's sein Rhythmus, als gäb's sein Lied. Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, the German football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn. And as always, we'll jump in with the results over the weekend. On Friday night, we've seen Hanover pick up a much-needed victory over Wolfsburg 2-1. Going into Saturday, Hoffenheim fielded their oldest Bundesliga side in Bundesliga history, a rather recent one, yes, but oldest in 26 years old. Impressive, but winning 2-1 against Augsburg. Bremen then lost at home to a very exciting Gladbach, seeing Lars Stindl get his 250th appearance. Freiburg scored a rather consolation goal as Mainz managed to win 3-1. Dusseldorf 4-1 against uh, Hertha Berlin after an early sending off. Uh, Nuremberg nil. Stuttgart too. Yes, Stuttgart finally scored after 377 minutes of failing to do so. Late kickoff game again that we will be talking about an awful lot. Seeing Borussia Dortmund stay on top of the pile 3-2 as they beat Bayern Munich. The 99th Dirk Classico, eh? We'll be talking about that in depth. Sunday, we've seen RB Leipzig hammer Leverkusen 3-0. The curse of Manu Vett continues, it would appear. Frankfurt, exciting as always, winning 3-0 against per season Schalke. Anyway, joining me, um, as always, is Chris Williams. Chris, how are you today? Uh, very well, Bryce, thank you. Um, had a really nice trip to Celtic midweek, which is always a pleasure to go. Probably shouldn't have gone, Bryce, wasn't feeling too well, but um, for 90 minutes, I was able to feel pretty good because the atmosphere out there is um, phenomenal, to say the least. If, I mean, I know we all like German football, but if anybody's got the chance to visit Celtic Park on a European night, I'd, I'd advise them to go and do it because uh, the You'll Never Walk Alone was, as a Liverpool fan, probably shouldn't say this, Bryce, but it was probably the best I've heard in my lifetime. No, no way. Really? Yeah, I mean, the one, Liverpool won against Manchester City uh, was good last season, but I think it's probably helped that there's 60,000 people in there versus Liverpool, I think they had 55,000 in. Um, but it, the, the music was cut. It just went on for the full um, two iterations of the chorus. Um, and it was all in unison. And it was it was phenomenal, Bryce. Absolutely phenomenal. Well, I'm glad to hear that you enjoyed yourself. Uh, unfortunately, the result didn't quite go Leipzig's way. But I'm, I'm sure we'll touch on that in a little bit. But joining Chris Knight, as always, is Manu Vett. Manu, how have you been? Excellent. Absolutely excellent. I've been walking around with a smile ever since Saturday. Uh-huh. You know, and it's, it's kind of like falling in love again with an, with, with an old married wife, I guess, because it's, um, the Bundesliga is like it used to be. It's fun. It's exciting. So, um, it's just, I'm just so happy being able to, to report on it all. So yeah, I've been absolutely excellent, Bryce. How about you? you yeah. I take it you're talking about Osberg losing again. Yeah. Uh, who? 
<laughs> yeah, I'm not too bad. Thank you, Manu. And yes, uh, somehow I don't think you were talking about that game as much as I probably give you pleasure as well. I've been on a stag do all weekend. So, guys, keep keep the voices down, would you? I mean, it's, I'm struggling here, okay? But uh, joining uh, Chris, uh, Manu, and myself is Matt Marshall once again. Matt, no doubt you've been to plenty of games this weekend. You always are, but uh, we're glad to have you back on here. Hi guys, thanks for having me. Yeah, I was down at um, Frankfurt yesterday for that game against Schalke. Highly enjoyable match, particularly the the second half. And uh, yeah, looking forward to talking about plenty of Bundesliga action on the show. Definitely, we've got plenty to talk about. Then, yeah, let's not talk about um, the Osberg um, loss, but yes, talk about what what Manny was referring to about, and that was obviously that massive Saturday game uh, in Borussia Dortmund three, Bayern Munich two. Um, yeah, rather exciting times. But, um, Chris, um, a game of two halves, very much. Yeah, that's a good football cliche. I tried not to write that in my um, in my two points. I think I labelled it slightly different. Two very different halves of football, which is um, pretty much the same thing, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it was a phenomenal game of football. Um, and, and, yeah, you're quite right. Two different halves completely. Uh, maybe, I'm sure the other two guys will, will chat about this, but, um, Lucien Favre went with Julian Beigel in the midfield. Don't think it quite worked uh, when he came off and was replaced by De Hood, Um I think that's when Dortmund really started to play some excellent football. But yeah, Bayern very much on top. And um, we've chatted, well, I'm going to say the whole of this season about how poor Bayern are, about how they looked with a lack of, of energy and maybe even any motivation. When this game started, they looked like the Bayern of old um, and I even put in my my five thoughts. The only question when um, Lewandowski scored was why didn't it come sooner? Because they had been fantastic. They nullified Dortmund. They stopped them from countering quickly. And when Dortmund did counter, they fluffed it up. Um, it was looking like Bayern were going to win this and and maybe uh, get back onto the top of the table in the next week or so. But but yeah, the second half was well. I think refreshing is probably um, probably the wrong word, but it was unbelievable match. Um, I think two very different halves and maybe at the very end, the right result. <laughs> I think everyone can agree with um, Alexa, Manu and, and yourself and in saying that th- this is probably a good thing for the Bundesliga. It's, it's going to make it more exciting, but... Um, I think, um, well, we're going to have to go to Manu and talk a little bit about this, and he's so delighted. But an, an interesting stat that I read was that Bayern have never come back at this stage of a season uh, from being seven points behind the leaders. Uh, is this Dortmund's year, Manu? Well, we'll find out. I, I, think, um, I think my excitement is not necessarily just that Bayern um, are so far behind. It's the... One of the things that we talked about um, ahead of the season, the one of the the things that we, if we had a wish list, remember that Bryce, we said, um, is that we wanted an open league, and it yeah. didn't really matter who was going to be on top in the end. We wanted an open league. We wanted four or five teams to challenge for the title, and Dortmund are in the driver's seat. There's no doubt about it. I mean, they haven't lost a game yet. We're eleven games in, which is by past the magic number of games that Chris Chris earmarks, right? Every season, don't look at the table until match day 10. We definitely, we, we are now a third in, about a third in. And I think you can sort of look at trends. 
And the trend that I see, and this is really the number one reason why I'm happy about the way things are going and why I'm excited about it. Um, because remember too, my favorite team is not in this league. It's, it's more about the, the general love that I have for this league right now. And right now I see four teams ahead of Bayern and I see four or five teams that if this keeps going the way it's going, could potentially challenge for the title. And that is, that is fascinating. That is just so exciting. That's what we wanted. That's what, when I grew up as a kid and watched the Bundesliga, that's how it used to be every year. And that's how it used to be before Bayern had the six year stretch of dominance. So is this, is Dortmund now the favorite to win the title? I think, um, I would never count out Bayern. I think, um, even with that seven point gap, that's quite, it looks big, but we still have essentially 23 games to play, right? So I would never, ever, ever count them out. It's, they, they, the sort of team that can always come back. Um, that was also one of the reasons why I was a little bit wary last week when we had Jonathan on. We discussed this match or we previewed this match. I said, well, yeah, Dortmund are going to be the favorites, but the first 45 minutes showed how strong this Bayern side still is. And I think, yes, to maybe to make this, um, to make this long answer short, Dortmund are the favorites, but it's still a long season. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think with the experience in the, the Bayern side would be a little bit naive to, uh, to suggest that, you know, it, it's game set or match. Uh, match, um, Dortmund are getting uh, more goals off the bench, uh, this season than anybody else. Um, does that show that maybe with the depth uh, of players that they have and how well they're playing on the field, whether you're coming off the bench or or starting, uh, that, that they've really got some unity this year, a, a bit of a better balance, and you know players like you know, Alexis Sancho, but also you know, and then they've got Weigel, Götze, you know, Larson. You know that they've, they've they've got a lot going for them at the moment. Yeah, it was interesting what Favre tried to do here. I think we need to look at Weigel as from his perspective and the fact that he's been down on confidence so long that maybe it was worth a gamble here. And if, and if Weigl had have had a, a good game, it would have been like getting a, a new player in this team. It didn't work out. He was quite ineffective and, and, and justifiably hooked at, at halftime, I thought. And, and really, so many different ways to look at this game. You know, What I took out of it was that the fact that Weigl really did nothing for 45 minutes, Goethe and Brun Larsen's impact was, was minimal. Uh, they still managed to win this game, which, which I thought was really impressive. A couple of really good goals. But, yeah, look, I've been impressed with Dortmund all season long. I said a month or so ago that they were well ahead of schedule, and I thought around that time that we did have a title race for sure. And this game could have gone either way. I think, in the end, Dortmund were deserved winners, but fine margins at times. But, yeah, fantastic stuff for the league, as Manu says. You know, there's going to be... The interest in the Bundesliga at the moment is going to be as high as it has been for quite some time, just with the, the, the competition we appear to have at the top of the table. And, you know, it's just sensational to see Bayern Munich struggling so much for everybody except Bayern Munich supporters, you know, and, and we can go into that soon, I guess, um, the, the problems with them. Um, I'll just maybe throw out a few of them. The obvious one was, was Mats Hummels, who was just a disaster. In this match, he could have got punished with a bad mistake early on, but Royce missed the chance, and uh, that that first uh, chance for Alcacer also was brought about by some pretty bad play from Hummels, and, and he was hooked, and then, you know, excuses coming out later on for him. But but also, you know, maybe we should talk about in a little bit later, James Rodriguez. What's going on here, guys? I mean, he can't even get off the bench here. There's something going on. Muller's awful, and, and Hamas can't get a game. So, yeah, 
we'll unpack all of this, but going back to your original question, Bryce, yeah, I've been impressed with Dortmund since really early on, and you know, I thought we had a title race about a month ago, and, and this just confirms it for me. Can I, can I just add something? Because you you say something really interesting. It's it's good for the league. Uh, you know what was really good for the league? And Chris, I, I want to bring you on in this. Manuel Grefe, the referee. What an amazing performance. Even on the Lewandowski goal, the, the, the goal that um, they chalked off the, in the very last minute, they didn't need VAR for that. And I thought Grefe was fantastic throughout that yeah, entire he was. match. He, um, he was described, I watched it via BT, obviously in the UK, and he was described as almost like a schoolmaster just calmly going around while um, both of his classes were going mad around him. Um, and he just had an air of, I'm in charge and I'm going to make the right decision. Um, I mean, the call at the end is, it's the correct call, but it, it's fine margins. So I think we have to give the officials, um, a pat on the back because we have torn them apart on occasion. But yeah, it was fantastically well refereed. Um, and it needed a referee uh, who was strong to be able to, to referee a fixture like this, two massive um, teams from, you know, any league. I mean, he's the strongest referee. And, and I think that's what we saw. Um, and I think until that very, very last, what was it, 92nd minute when the goal was ruled out, you didn't notice him. And, and that's brilliant for me. That's the sign of a good referee is when you don't notice they're even there because the decisions are being made correctly and the game's flowing very well, which which is what he did. He wasn't whistle happy. He didn't stop the game indiscriminately. Um, you know, he, he played the advantages where it was required. And then he also brought the play back if those advantages didn't work. So, yeah, on the whole, um, I thought it was fantastically refereed. Yeah, kicker gave him a grade one, which is the highest grade you can give, and it's almost never given to referees. I think, um, I think he lived up to the occasion. It was such a great advertisement in football, and the last thing you want is a referee who whistles down something every two or three minutes. I, I think the flow of it is what surprised me the most, and I think that is due to refereeing, right? To let maybe some of the softer challenges just go. And the, the amount of times that he just said, wave on, keep playing. Just keep playing. You know, we can, we can sort the yellow cards afterwards. Um, just keep playing the ball. Just keep playing football. I, I just thought it was fantastic. I think he was, uh, I think he was very strong because there were quite a lot of theatrics from Bayern, which yeah. is probably un Bayern like, but very, um, I'm not saying Nico Kovac is a, is a coach that likes to play dirty, but he, you know, remember his old Frankfurt side, they would disrupt the flow of the play as much as they could, maybe stay down a little bit longer, get the ball knocked out, which is what, we saw happen a few times, um, but the referee was strong, rode over it, didn't stop the game. It, it's a pet hate of mine when players want the ball put out. He's got a sore ankle. He's not lying there with his head split open, bleeding. It's not a head injury. Play on. You know, I'm pretty sure that he'll get up soon enough, and that tends to what happens these days when players are forced to get up and move on. Um, and, yeah, I thought it was exceptionally well refereed, especially in instances like that. I just want to say that, yeah, you see this with all the top teams in Europe, the, the amount of pressure that that the players try and exert on the referee. You saw it early on here when Lewandowski went down trying to claim a penalty. And um, I find it really annoying. And and I don't think there's that many referees that really bow to the pressure. But it, it adds up and it adds up. And maybe subliminally there's some stuff going on with this this intense pressure. that, that And Bayern just get away with more than, than, mm. than other teams. It's just a fact. You know, they're just completely disrespectful a lot of the time and, and use their status as this, as this massive club to to just argue and be petty all the time. It's really frustrating for me. But yeah, as you said, good that the referee in this occasion stood up and I agree he had a good game. He didn't. I mean, the only thing year. that let him down, sorry, for a 100% yeah. perfect score on that was 
probably Lewandowski should be carded for that. Yeah. Well, not not a good day for Bayern, and I, I feel that, as Matt was suggesting, we we need to talk about them a little further. Um, Manu, first of all, I mean to, to get to the, we said that we're not going to rule them out, obviously, but a little bit off topic I suppose on, on all the topics we've got to discuss um, especially player and coaches um, especially um, if we get to the win- winter break how many points have they got to be off the top to rule them out do you say because you say don't rule them out but they've got some tricky games um, just before that closes they've got Leipzig they've got you know Frankfurt and then they've got Hoffenheim to start off with when, when they come back I mean they're already seven points off well, that's a very good question. Um, I mean, you said it, seven points. They've never come back, back from that. Um, I mean, we, we were a point last year where they were five points out, right? And, um, still managed to win the league by a lot. Um, I think, <laughs> wow, that's a very hard question. I think, you know, you mentioned the difficult games for Bayern. They have been, have every game has been sort of difficult this year. And I think that's really the question. Can they put together four or five wins um, in a row? And that's what it takes right now to even get a sniff. I say if the margin is about this um, or one or two points more at the winter break, I think even they will rule it out. Um, and I think the other thing that we have to remember too, currently there is four teams between them, um, right? So that's, did I say that right? Four teams? Yeah, no, sorry, three teams between them. And... That is some, that's another factor is how, how consistent are ghost teams going to be? And we're going to talk about some of them in a little bit, but they have all been consistently getting points as well. So Bayern not only have to catch up to Dortmund, but they have to catch up to, to Gladbach, Leipzig and Frankfurt at the moment. And that is not, I mean, psychological, that's a lot more difficult than just chasing one team. Um, so I think, you know, if the, if the points, the gap is about the same as it is right now. I, I think we'll be looking at a different title winner. Um, I don't want to say it's going to be Dortmund because there's three very strong other teams ch- ch- chasing them at the moment, but we're probably going to be looking at a different title winner. And uh, you mentioned um, the, the fact that they're still playing Leipzig and Frankfurt, but they couldn't get three points at home against Freiburg, Bryce. You know, they have been better on the road than at home. The win against Athens was their first home win in 53 days, uh, the midweek game. So, I mean, right now, it's not, this is another great thing about the Bundesliga this year. You, you, you can actually turn on the Bayern game. And, uh, in the last two years when we covered Bayern, we would just, it was basically just how big would the scoreline be for Bayern? And now we are saying, well, could Mainz maybe get a point? Could Freiburg get three at home against Bayern? Could Düsseldorf upset the apple cart and beat them? I mean, this sounds crazy, but we are actually, there where we can say that some of the smaller teams can take points of Bayern. And that is, that's, I think, the, another really fascinating storyline that's developing. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it's exactly as you said it, Joe. This is what we wanted going into the season. Um, Chris, um, let's talk a little bit about, um, a little bit more about Bayern, but, um, about players, um, as well in, in Mats Hummels. Um, not a great day for him. But he claims that um, he had a head cold, and you know that that affected his performance. I mean, I mean, what what exactly is going on in in the Bayern camp at the moment? Well, that, that's there's two questions there. Has he looked for an easy way out of the next Uh That's one question. The second one is: Has he told the coach 
that he's got a head cold because you would expect maybe Sula can just come in and do that job. Okay, Matt, you're not feeling particularly good today. We'll stick you on the bench. If we need you, we'll throw you on late on. Um, and maybe go with Sula there. But he made a few mistakes. Now, yeah, okay, he could have had a head cold. But the last time he said he had a head cold uh, was when I was in the stadium, Bryce. And that was when Dortmund ran away in the um, semi-final of the Pokal two seasons ago uh, when he had an exceptionally poor game and Dembele made him look, um, you know, half the player he was. Um, and funnily enough, he came out after that and said he had a bit of a head cold. So I would have hoped that he would have learned from his mistake of playing with a head cold last time against Dortmund. Um, but yeah, it throws up loads of questions. I, one, I don't buy it myself, really, um, because if he's if he's well enough in his own mind to play, then I think he has a better hour than he did. I mean, Stuhler came on after 65 minutes um, and, you know, Dortmund were in their ascendancy by then. Um, you know, they got themselves back in mentally into that game. So maybe he needs to have a chat with his coach. Maybe what's the power over there then? What That's, that's another thing that shows up. Matt almost decides he's going to play with, with a head cold. Well, how does Niko Kovac respond to that? That makes them sound like the players have got more power than the coach because I'm pretty sure Kovac would have gone with Sula. Or maybe they had an agreement, I'll give you an hour, I don't know, unless the pair of them speak on it, we won't know. But it throws up more questions and answers from me and uh, more critical questions and answers. Yeah, I mean, Matt, if we go to you on this, um, you kind of mentioned as well that there was a, a few issues uh, with the players and I suppose coaches as well and being to hear uh, your side on I think Chris made some very good points there that's you know who's calling the shots yeah it's really interesting I thought the, the forward players Ribery was was really strong he was giving his check a lot of problems and, and Sancho had to sort of worry about him as well and Sancho didn't start off very well but grew into the game but you know I thought Gnabry was, was, was quite good and Lewandowski was solid as usual but, but Thomas Muller is just in terrible form he's almost like a passenger Really, at times, and as I said, if you if you compare that to why Hammers can't get a game, uh, there's something going on with that for me, and it's not looking good for, for Kovac. Um, Goretzka looks a bit kind of unsure what he what he should be doing. I really think they're missing Thiago, to be honest. But yeah, Hummels was just a disaster in this game. Excuses or not, I mean the, the mistakes he's making and the alarming lack of pace. Is, 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 is really, really bad because, you know, he's never been hugely quick, but he's just usually so smart and, and anticipation is so good that he can be in the right position at the right time, but nothing's happening for him, especially in this game. Manuel Neuer wasn't particularly good. And it's just looking like a lot of the concerns we had pre-season are coming to fruition here. Um, and, and Nico Kovac is, is under huge pressure. Like, I'd like to explore this Hamas Rodriguez, Rodriguez thing. Like, I don't really read too much news, but you guys might know more than me. But I heard a few uh, whispers that he, he's not really happy, and, and you can see why. Um, Manu, you got any clue on Hummers and how he can't get on a minute of game time in this match? Yeah, uh, he's in a bit of an open dispute with Kovac. Um, <laughs> so that that would probably explain it. Um, I, I'm a big Hummers fan. People who listen to this podcast know we voted him the player of the season last year. I, I think he is a magnificent player. And you, you are quite right, um, Matt. It's, it's mind boggling that he doesn't get a game, especially when you, when you look at the setup, right? That Kovac chose for, for, for this one and, um, Müller playing behind, 
Lewandowski, but at the same time, Müller was playing more of a number eight role. And um, the, the the big issue that I have, and this is with both Müller and Goretzka, in that they don't really fit into Kovac's system at all, the system that he's trying to play. And it's the same system every week. I mean, he hasn't really changed his, his system at all. He has never really experimented with the sort of lineups that he experimented with in Frankfurt. And that's, that's, that's a big one for me. Why is he not, you know, changing the system to fit the players that he has? And that's, that's one of them is Hummus. And for me, you know, if you go, if you're so adamant to play in a 4-3-3 or 4-2-3-1, you know, you have a, you have a playmaker on Hummus who can play perfectly behind Lewandowski. Why not utilize that? And then on, the, on top of that, and this, this is, this is, you mentioned this, Thiago isn't playing. That is the perfect time to play Hummus because he's the perfect replacement for him, right? I, I think that when both Hummus and Thiago play, they buy and hold the ball a bit too much in midfield. Um, Chris and I, we were at the Dave Bepokal final. And remember, Chris, the one thing that we mentioned right away at that final is we, we had both Thiago and Hummus in midfield and the midfield was so slow. I mean, Frankfurt, every time they won the ball, it was like an ICE breaking through the center of the pitch because they were just so able, so quickly able to overwhelm Bayern's midfield. And you see a lot of that this season. But if Thiago is out, why not play Hummus? And that goes back to dressing room issues where Hummus is basically not in agreement with, with Niko Kovac. And that basically answers the question, doesn't it? And it also shows the whole complexity of issues that are going on in Bayern's dressing room. I mean, one of the big things that we wondered ahead of the season is can Kovac handle the dressing room? Good. We said, well, he won the cup. That should have, he could, he was able to walk into that dressing room, Bayern's dressing room and say, look guys, my team that I coached last season beat you guys in the cup final. So we're doing things our way, but it's not working for him. You know, it's like anything that he's doing is being challenged. Like the fact that he makes his players bike after training. That's being like a big political. James Rodriguez, big political situation all of a sudden, right? Thomas Müller not playing well. All of a sudden, that's a big political issue. So it's like, it's like he's, he's going in there and he can't really do right. And um, whatever he does, he, he just can't really, he just doesn't seem to be able to get that authority stamped on the dressing room. And James Rodriguez is a great example for that, Matt. Yeah, I think it's I think it's symbolic of what's happening here. I mean, as soon as they went three two down, he brought in Renato for mm-hmm. Gnabry, but then it took another almost ten minutes to 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 take off Muller, and he brought on Sandro Wagner. Yeah. So this is down on Kovac to fall out with Hames, and if it's due to these you know long time stars at uh, Bayern that whinge every time they they're not getting game time and and whatever, then that's on Kovac, and that might be one of the main reasons why they're they're struggling. Down on form, you know, yeah. all those games leading up to this, this one were, were against mediocre, relatively, mm. you know, opposition. They're always going to win most of those. They, they couldn't beat Freiburg, but yeah, I think this is uh, symbolic of, of the problem at the moment. Simple as what's happening to, to James and why is Muller playing so much? You know, there's, there's something that I maybe want to add, and it's a little bit of defense to Kovac is that, um, ahead of the season, usually ahead of every season, the new Bayern coach gets a couple signings. You know, all the signings are made by, my management, Bayern are very traditional in that way that the coach coaches, the, the, the sporting director or the, the squad planner signs the players, right? That, and then Bayern is supposed to play a certain style. That's one of the reasons why Pep Guardiola 
often was in conflict with the Bayern head office and same with Louis van Gaal. But usually they all get a player. Pep Guardiola got Thiago, right? But with Kovac, Bayern were so unsure on whether this is actually going to work out that they didn't give him his signings, right? And um, he wanted Rebic and he wanted uh, Folk from Hoffenheim because with Folk he could have played with three in the back. And he wanted with Folk he would have had more speed in the defense. And that's something that they're really lacking. I mean, Boateng, Boateng didn't get nominated for the national team because he... Feeling-wise, I feel like he's been playing every single game with an injury or a lingering injury at least. He's been so slow. And Hummels has never, as you said earlier, been a fast player. And that's was very much uh, obvious during the national team games in at the World Cup. And it's becoming very obvious now. I'm actually surprised Hummels got nominated for the national team because there's a lot of other young good defenders in Germany right now that are just that that can give a lot more speed and are better play, better players when it comes to three in the back, which seems to be the system of the future. So I, that is maybe in a slight defense that Kovac was not necessarily giving the players that he asked for because I think they could have used a Rebic and a Vogt in this game um, against Dortmund because both of them would have given them what they lack and that's speed. I think also we have to remember um, there's a lot of managers that turned down, there's a lot of coaches that turned down the chance of this job um, and Thomas Tuchel was one of them because mm. he very quickly identified that you can't go into this Bayern Munich dressing room and be in charge, not when you've still got Thomas Muller there. I mean, look, Thomas Muller was um, kept out last week um, and he came on after 75 minutes and his wife put something on Instagram. There was a big fallout. Bayern do a press release. All of a sudden, Muller's in and he's kept on till the 82nd minute, as Matt quite rightly identified. He was terrible, but he was, he was kept on. Well, why was he kept on? That's because I personally think Kovac knows that if he pulls him off, all of a sudden... Um, he's got a, he's got a problem on his hand, a political problem, like you've already said. Yeah. I think the likes of um, maybe Robbins is losing a little bit now. Ribery was fantastic, but I think he's got to play um, Goretzka because he, he's been brought in and, and he's you know, obviously got him um, on a Bosman. We still call it that these days, but um, you know they've got a good player there. He needs to utilise him. He can't be seen to be put on the right. bench and. Hamas is, is a very strange one because, as you quite rightly identified, he was our player of the season last season. But I get the feeling that whoever this coach was for Bayern this season was going to be on a poison chalice because until Muller makes his way out, until Lewandowski goes, until Hummels retires, until um, you know Robin and Ribery go, then the coach has got limited power at this club until the top stars go. And, you know, I say something really controversial now, and a lot of Bayern fans are going to not agree with us, but I think Müller needs to leave the club. And that's not just for Bayern, but for himself. You know, he is a player that very much, I mean, Kicker, Kicker said this last week, and Kicker is a magazine that is pretty conservative when it comes to these kind of things, but they said maybe a change of scenery would do him good. And I think that's, we're actually there. He's 29 now, right? I think a change of scenery would help Thomas Müller and it would help Bayern. And it, and he's not the only one. I think the same is true for Boateng. Uh, Boateng is, of course, um, part of JC's. Um, he has a player agency. Can't recall his name, but he's part of JC's entourage. He has a, he's, he's being represented by JC. And I could see him. I mean, this sounds harsh, but I could see him maybe go the brand route and go to the United States and play an MLS. I think that would actually be better for him because I can't see his body is so broken. He's such a fantastic defender, but he can't get 
every time he goes into a sprint and I saw, I watched the Athens game and he went into two sprints and then all of a sudden, you know, he was, he was limping. It's like his, his body cannot, cannot hold up anymore. So I think there's like a couple players in there and it would be almost better for them to move on, not just for Bayern, but for, for them to just make a break. And it's almost like they need that real clean break. Um, top to bottom in that dressing room and just rebuild and just bring in fresh faces, young and hungry faces. And just instead of like saying, okay, well, we're replacing this player here. We're getting that player out there. And you no, know, it's just, I think a clean break would almost do them better. Yeah. Well, uh, guys, uh, Matt, you've obviously said uh, previously that you think that your Kovac has to stay till the end of the season, really. But but do you see that even being the case? Do you, do you think Kovac will actually make it uh, at this stage? I mean, Honoris has even come out and said that you know, they won't be making changes in the winter. Is this just like Manu? Maybe they don't have confidence you know, in the coach. They think it doesn't matter. It's right this year off and you know make the changes come the summer. I'm not sure, mate. Honestly, I didn't have that much of a an idea how long. Uh, the hierarchy would would stick with him if it continues to to kind of go down downhill. With these situations, you'll always have to look at possible replacements, you know. And and if you're limiting yourself to someone who speaks German, then you you've got a very limited um, pool to select from. You know, last year we saw Heinkers bail them out, and he's not available to do that at this time. So it's really interesting what Rummenigge and Hernes are thinking. Who knows what they're thinking, but. You know, maybe they're looking at this hammer sting and and wondering, you know, what what's going on. But you know, they they seem to be so out of touch with a lot of things. You know, I'm not sure really what they would think about that. But look, it's fascinating. I was thinking actually <laughs> this morning, wouldn't it have been funny if Bayern appointed uh, Adi Hutter, um and see if he might have done a, a better job up till this point? But I d- yeah, it's certainly not looking great for Kovac, as we said with this hammer situation. For me, there's a there's a lot you can read into that, and we've talked about more at length. So who knows, Bryce? We'll just have to see what happens. But if it continues to go downhill and they find themselves out of the top four and and losing more touch with Dortmund, then you'd have to think they would they would have to act. But, but as I said, who they bring in is a big question mark. Well, who they might be identifying, as I said, if you're looking at German speakers, who's out there? Well, well, guys, I'm going to put the question to all three of you. We'll go around. We'll start with Matt. Um, if if you did have um, quite a bit of money to spend as Bayern in the summer, uh, who exactly would you bring in? Is there one or two players you can mention? Then we'll we'll, we'll do this rather quickly because I feel that we haven't maybe touched on Dortmunds um, as much as they deserve. So uh, Matt, who who would you go for first? Sorry, mate. What what was the question? Who would who should buy and buy? Yeah, who do you reckon they'd buy if if you were the guy in charge? Uh, whether it's in the summer or winter, if you can name one or two players. Okay, interesting that, that Manu mentioned Ante Rebic. Obviously, he has with, with Kovac. But um, look, who they want to buy and who they can buy are two different things. Like None of these clubs in the top four at the moment are going to allow them to take any of their players, certainly in the, in the, in the, the winter window. Um, I'm sure they've got their eyes on some players for next summer. You know, They've been piling their cash up and, and waiting to make some moves. They tend to look for these players from the Bundesliga, don't they, and poach players from, from the other competition. Um, so, interesting. Honestly, I wouldn't have a clue, mate, who, the, who they might be looking at, whether they really think, as, as Manu suggested, that, that Muller is, is, is that far 
out of form and, and these problems that appear to be happening in the dressing room and politically are so bad that they have to make this move. It's such a huge call. And as I said, I'm not sure that Hernes and, and Rummenigge are that in touch at the moment that, that they can make it. Um, they were pretty swift to, to chop Ancelotti, but that was because they knew that, that Heinkers could, could come in and, and, and kind of steer the ship in the right direction. But as I said, they don't have that to fall back on. But players, I, don't, I wouldn't have a clue, mate, honestly. Um, you know, we have to remember that Coman is going to come back, Thiago also. I'm surprised Kevin Vogt. I don't see him as a Bayern player. I know he's pretty good, but I don't see him at that level. Um, you know, so anyone's guess, mate. I don't know. Maybe ask Chris. He, he might have a, a better idea, but I just don't see anything happening in the winter window that's going to be significant because the players that they would want to attract are going to be all cup tied. Well, yeah, I, I think we'll go to Chris on that one. I mean, I, my, I was even trying to think of some suggestions, but I think there's so many areas that they possibly need to, to cover. Uh, Chris, um, you know, rather quickly, I mean, can you think of a player or two that you know, you'd maybe go to as Byron? Okay, I'm pretty much in the same camp as Matt, where you can identify players. I mean, you can just look at who's playing well at Dortmund. Sancho, well, he's not going to go. This is Bayern's problem now. I don't think Bayern know who they need to get, because look at who they signed recently. Um, Sula, Rudy, um, Goretzka. And I don't really think they know what they're they're doing. They're just going, oh, he's played quite well for half an hour. Yeah, we'll have them too. Because um, they won't spend the big bucks abroad. And, you know, I was at Dortmund the other week and chatting to those guys there um, at Dortmund. They identified that they've got a problem trying to get people to go to the city of Dortmund because it's a very industrial city and they don't pay as much as England or PSG at the moment. So I think Bayern have that problem. Who wants to go to Bayern Munich at the moment? Because everybody can see that they're pretty much where um, Manchester United were a few seasons ago. They're a great club, but they seem to be on a little bit of a downhill and you're not going to get players who want to go to that unless you're going to throw stupid money like Alexis Sanchez wages at, at players, €300,000 a week, and that Bayern will not do that. Mm. So they've already limited their, their selves and I don't think there's anyone in the top four around them now who will, who will go, actually, yeah, I'll go to Bayern. That wasn't the case a few seasons ago. Um, you know, Hummels, Lewandowski, yeah, OK, yeah, this is the next logical step for us to win something. I think Bayern are on that much of a downhill now that they're, they're an unattractive side. So look at anyone, Rebic, great player, um, Jovic, great player. Why would they want to go to Bayern? Because they're playing in a phenomenally exciting Frankfurt side. Yeah, if you look at this, particularly from poaching teams in the top four, you know, they, they would obviously take Marco Royce, but I think it's extremely unlikely that he would he would make that move. Um, but there's just so many young, exciting players, not only in the Bundesliga, but in, in Netherlands, if you look at, um, at Ajax, mm. and they've got some tremendous young players coming through. But, you know, if, if you want to look at what they've done recently and, and apply it to some of the teams in the top four now, Timo Werner is probably on their radar. Sebastian Allaire, even, I wouldn't be surprised if he's on their radar. You've already mentioned Rebic. Gladbach, uh, you know, players just moved there. I'm not sure anyone else is really talking Hazard. I wouldn't really see it really to, 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 to Bayern. And as I said, Dortmund has some really attractive uh, young talent. And <laughs> you can imagine that uh, Bayern have got their eyes on them, but they're probably um, a little bit too young at the moment. Um, but I'm sure, yeah, they've got their eyes on those players. And, and as, the, as they've done throughout the years, looking to also... Um, hurt some direct rivals in the process. Yeah, there was a comic in the Süddeutsche today. Um, it showed uh, Watzke and Hoeneß speaking in 
in the the president's launch and Vatsky is sort of making fun of Hoeneß and then Hoeneß pulls out a, a piece of paper and said, don't worry, we have a we have a great shopping list for, for the summer. And then he reads the names and it's like Pulisic, Brun Larsen and Alcazar, et cetera, et cetera, like all Dortmund players, right? Uh, I don't think it's going to be that easy for Bayern um, to get the Dortmund players. As for other players, I think that Munich... Um, Chris, it doesn't have the same problems as Dortmund. It's, it's a beautiful city. It's very close to Italy. It's uh, it's a place that where where a lot of rich and famous in Germany live. So I don't think they're going to have that same attractive problem. Um, the the one issue I've seen with Bayern, and this has been this has been an issue throughout the history, is that they never pay a lot of money for players. Right? I mean, their top transfer is uh, Quarantine Tolisso, who they paid forty one million euros. Uh, I reckon Hummus will break that record when they trigger that exit clause. But that's that's really the, the fundamental thing. But I don't think that's what they need to do. Um, I think they need to go the Dortmund route almost and um, think a little bit outside of the box, sign young players that maybe are not on the radar. I think Alfonso Davis, for example, that they targeted someone like him. It's a good idea. Um, we'll see how it works out. But it's in general, that's that's the way they have to go. They have to think outside of the box and they have to bring in young and exciting players that we maybe haven't even really put on our radar. I don't think star signings will fix it for them. I think they will have to go young. They will have to go really young and it might really, you know, not be what the Bayern fans want to hear, but it will be players that we don't know. And then when it comes to the players that I think they need to bring in, they need to bring in a center back. I, I think we all know Pavard is going to come in from Stuttgart. So that's pretty much seems to be a done deal. So that's a good signing in my opinion, but they will probably have to bring in another one. They will have to bring in a left back and a right back. And I think they have to bring in an addition, additional winger or two. That's basically my shopping list. Who those players are going to be, who knows? Yeah, quite the shopping list. It seems they have many areas to fix. But, um, Chris, uh, let's go to you. Um, obviously, um, someone that takes a keen interest in, in Borussia Dortmund, especially. Uh, I feel we need to speak about them before we move on to, um, some of the other teams playing well. Uh, I mean, it's, we talked about players coming in. Is it just as simple as, you know, Axel Wechsel comes in and, yeah, fixed. The, cl- the club's fine, you know. Yeah. Or or what exactly is uh, Barbara doing that's, that's making them just so good at the moment? I mean, it's not just uh, the results, but they're fun to watch. They're exciting. Yeah, and Manu mentioned it earlier with the problems that Nico Kovac is having and it's players to fit his system. I think um, what the Dortmund hierarchy have done is they've identified they wanted Lucien Favre. They've had a chat with Lucien Favre and he's identified players that will fit his system. And that's what they've gone out and got. And obviously, um, Witzel's come in and he's been fantastic addition. Um, Alcacer up top has been brilliant. Um, and they've already got a core of exceptionally talented young players. Um, Pulisic is there. Sancho is there already. He can fit this system. I think they're look, maybe not lucky. Lucky is probably the wrong word because they planned for it, but they've got the right players and in the right areas. And they've also got strength in depth that can come off the bench and change um, the game when needed, uh, which is something that probably they haven't had for a while. Um, so I think you can probably say why Dortmund doing so well. It's because of the planning from those above, the fact they've got the right coaching, they're playing exciting football. Um, it's, and Matt mentioned it earlier, this is still an ongoing project and it's probably just ahead of time at the minute. So I wouldn't be surprised, guys, if we come back after the winter pause, uh, maybe round about the back end of February, start of March, if this side has a little wobble because they're getting a little bit tired or... You know, the, the cohesion's not 
quite there yet and and maybe they'll let the others back in. If we're talking our buying completely out of it, well, Dortmund have got to go to the Allianz. If they get beat there, that seven-point gap all of a sudden starts, you know, falls to four, and you can pick up four points really easy from the rest of the league, um, even if you draw here or, or nick an odd win there. Um, it's going to be a very tight tight race. And what are Dortmund doing? Well, they're just playing really good, exciting attacking football um, at the moment. But I think what we saw in the early part of that game is if you press them high and you really get in their faces, they don't particularly like it. Um, Bayern must have watched Atletico Madrid play the other night and that's how they started off their game. So maybe that's a little bit of a warning for Dortmund. Can I just say also that despite this being a fantastic result in, in the short term, um, in the long term, you know, some of these young players are just going to get so much out of this game. You look at Zagadou, you look at Sancho, you know, Larson didn't have a great game, but still good experience for him. Hakimi, you know, these, these players are going to just get so much confidence and, and they're going to look back on this game for, for the rest of their careers, I think, and, and, and look at this as a, as a moment when they really knew that they could compete at this level, you know. Um, so I think you need to keep that in mind too, that, that, um, you know, the long term, this is going to be huge for Dortmund. Um, but one thing I'll just say is that there's, there's still a, a huge reliance on Marco Royce here. Um, you know, and if something unfortunate happens to him, then the situation could change in a hurry, you know. What about you, Manu? Have you got anything to add about, uh, well, the singing of the praises of, of Dortmund, but uh, also the concerns that maybe Matt raises? Yeah, I think I said that last week with Royce. I, I, I 100% agree with Matt. Uh, Marco Royce, I think I sent out a tweet just last week saying I don't believe in individuals in, in soccer. So um, I should be careful what I'm saying next. But um, I do think he is quite important in how Dortmund play. And if something happens to him, I think that'd be a huge blow. I think they could compensate it, but it'd be difficult. Um, and I think they could compensate it because, and I, I, Chris, when when we did the when we put together the match report and we looked at all the Getty images that we have um, as part of the Football Guard Network, right? Remember when I looked at Royce, every single picture that you saw of him, well, I also had Witzel in the picture. It was the two of them in every single pick. And I think that showed a quite a bit about uh, hierarchy. When you, you when you see the Royce celebrating, Witzel is always right next there to him. Those two are very much the faces of Dortmund right now. So I think losing one of the two would be a big blow. If they lose both, that that is when it becomes real tricky. So um, for them, I think it's real key to keep these, these two healthy throughout the season. I think uh, the players around those two can be interchange. You know, Paco Alcazar, as great as he has been, for example, the two games that he started, um, he didn't really have the same impact. He only seems to have the impact when he comes off the bench at the moment, maybe because of fitness. So I think it's almost it's almost really that those two players they keep this entire thing together. And then maybe I'll throw in um, Akanji and Diallo as well. Um, losing one of them is okay. They can compensate, but losing both of them, uh, it becomes very tricky, right? So these these are the little concerns, um, but Dortmund are at much deeper side than they were the last few years. I mean, they were able to keep my, um, Thomas Delaney on the bench for 90 minutes in this game and still win. So I, I think depth-wise... Um, they have improved, but there is still a couple players that are not replaceable on the side. Yeah, absolutely. Um, things are definitely looking brighter for them, especially compared to their closest rivals. But, Manu, you mentioned early on that there are teams between 
uh, Dortmund sitting on top and, and Bayern Munich sitting in fifth. Let's talk about them a little bit. As we've seen Borussia Mönchengladbach dismantle Werner Bremen, uh, Werner Bremen falling to their third defeat in three games. Um, Chris, real, realistically, um, I, I mean, how likely is it that your Borussia Mönchengladbach will be able to mount uh, a title challenge? I mean, Hecken's done a fantastic job this season. He has, but the thing um, that worries me about Gladbach is I think they've always got a 3-0 defeat in them somewhere, um, and it's whether they can get that out of them. But at the moment, they're playing some really, really good football. Um, can they maintain it? It's a good question. I mean, look at the teams around them. You can even go um, down to, let's say, down to Verda, who they beat on this match day on 17 points. You know, that's not that much difference to get yourself back to 23. You know, the gap there isn't particularly high. Um, Leipzig are right behind them. Frankfurt, then obviously, even though we've talked about how poor Bayern are, they're still there on 20 points. That's just three points behind Gladbach. That's easily, you know, overturn. You can easily overturn that um, at any stage of the season, really. So I think Gladbach, in order to finish where they are, I think they've got to have pretty much the perfect second half of the season. Um, whether they can do that is another question. But at the moment, yeah, they are playing superb football. Um, I mean, I know they're at second. The team for me, and Matt's been lucky enough to see them a few times, um, is Eintracht Frankfurt. I would keep my eye on them because they are going about their business very professionally. Um, and that gap to second place, which is three points, I think that'll go down very, very quickly with the way they're playing at the moment, um, both at um, in Germany and away from home um, in in Europe. It seems to be breeding a real sense of achievement in that in that squad and, and I think they've got a fantastic coach and yeah the chasing pack to catch up with Dortmund I personally think it could be Frankfurt yeah that's it 20 goals in six games um, in their last six games uh, for Eintracht you know that we, we talked just about how special that um, that front three really is I mean I mean Matt's um, Chris said you know you've seen plenty of them but that they're doing something really quite fantastic uh, this season, aren't they? They're they're, they're beating anyone's uh, expectations. Sorry, um, Frankfurt or Gladbach? Yeah, that that that's Frankfurt. Frankfurt, yeah, they've been sensational, Bryce. Uh, Adi Hutter has really turned things around after their their horror start to the season, and you know, there's so much talk about the the front three, which is justified in in, in Jovic and Rebic and and Haller. They're they're really sensational. And, and most people now realize that. Um, but it's also some of these other players that don't get a whole lot of mentions. I'm talking about De Guzman, you know, and, and Fernandez, guys that kind of fly under the radar, but you're seeing that, uh, Hutter is getting the most out of these, these guys, and they're really having a, a impact on, on what's happening. There's a few concerns, mainly for me, in the fact that he hasn't been able to rotate. A whole lot. I mean, it's worked up until this point. The Costas played a huge amount of minutes, and the back three really haven't had much of a rest. But that's just a minor concern, you know. On the big picture here, Frankfurt are just a, a real joy to watch. You know, this is the second Bundesliga game that Hutter unleashed uh, the three of those attacking players on the pitch at the same time. The first half uh, yesterday against Schalke was, was was a pretty dire affair, zero shots on target. But um, but Schalke couldn't contain them in the second half. And, um, you know, they just ran rings around the likes of uh, Sané and, and Stambouli, and, and they were just unstoppable. You know, Luka Jovic, every time he gets a chance, you, you just feel he's going to put it away. Sebastian Allaire is, is a lot better than, than, than people think, and even if they think he's, 
he's good. He, he's just exceptional. I keep saying it, you know, and Ante Rebic, we know what he can do. He was involved in all three goals yesterday. So it's a joy to watch. Yeah, really good. The supporters, it's incredible. You know, we saw that amazing um, contingent they took to Cyprus. Just just unbelievable. And, you know, if you haven't been fortunate enough to get yourself down to the, the Commerce Bank arena, then then get yourself there. It, it, it's tremendous support. And uh, the, the choreography and, and the stuff they do on the European nights is just sensational. So, you know, you'll have some opportunities if you're around this part of the world. And I strongly suggest you get along there and see it in live, in action. Yeah, you need to check out some of that footage uh, that Matt's uh, uploading. And, yeah, it just looks like a fantastic occasion uh, on, on a European night there in Frankfurt. But, uh, Manu, you, you mentioned um, previously to us that there's comparisons to um, a, a certain Stuttgart side of the 90s. Yeah, um, Bryce, we haven't had a German lesson in a while. So Definitely not, no. Das magische Dreieck, um, the magic triangle. From, yeah, that was in, I'm, I'm yeah. way too hungover for this. So <laughs> I'm out of my death. Um, Educators. Yeah, so the Magische Dreieck. Um, Krasimir Balakov, Giovanni Elba, and Freddy Bobic, who we all know is now the sporting director of Eintracht Frankfurt. They were the, the magic triangle of, um, of a Stuttgart side that was phenomenal in the 90s, 1990s, 1994 to 1996 until, um, Dortmund poached, uh, Bobic and Bayern took Elba. Um, you know, those, mm. those are the things. <laughs> That's how things go. The big ones always take, um, the best players. But, uh, until that moment, they, they played some fantastic football and, um, das Magische Dreieck has been, of course, you know, there's been a lot of headlines now used, um, to describe those three. I think there is, is a slightly different, uh, slight difference. Um, das Magische Dreieck in Stuttgart had, um, Balakov. And Balakov for me was, is, is like it was a typical number 10. And I don't see that with uh, Jovic, Rebic and Halle. Um, Rebic is like a power forward. Uh, Jovic is more of a, a Falcao kind of striker and Halle is, is a holding player. The three of them have, uh, magic chemistry but they they it's not quite the same but they, it, it, i like the comparison because it really it, it, it encompasses the way that that frankfurt and in, in general play hütter has has really managed to get them to that next level and um shout out to stefan Buschko who, who tweeted out the table and uh, said the the kovac effect right pointing that bayern and frankfurt now have switched positions um it really shows how good of a job hütter has has done in frankfurt Let's just be clear also how good the, the, the boardroom and, and the backroom people making the decisions here at the top level have done mm. not only to, to recruit Hutter, but when you look at the prices they paid, I mean, it started yeah. last year with that Marius Wolf unbelievable transaction, but when you break this down, it's just ridiculous. You know, Sebastian Haller, they only paid seven million. You look at Jovic, you know, Benfica's loss is going to be their gain because they're going to pick him up for, I think, seven or eight million, you know. Mm. Ante Rebic, two million. You know, uh, Lucas Toro, who, who's a really good player, uh, they've been doing well without him, but he'll be really important when he comes back, three and a half million, you know. It's just unbelievable what they've done. Evan and Dika, five and a half million. So it's just incredible what the scouting network have been able to achieve here. And, you know, credit to the people up the top signing the checks and pulling the trigger. They've made it happen. And as I said, you combine that with the, the managerial appointment, yeah. and it's it's very similar to what Dortmund have done. They're getting it right on and off the pitch. Maybe Bayern should have signed uh, Bobic instead of Kovac. 
you know, sporting director. Yes. Just, just throwing that out there. Well, you know. <laughs> I, I feel that we, we, we're a bit short on time. So, um, Chris, uh, let's go to you and, and talk about RB Leipzig as well, who, um, who are having a, a, a very much a positive season as well. I mean, they're sitting in third. Um, obviously the Europa League. Oh, that, that, that's a little bit more tricky, and and they fell to uh, Celtic uh, in Glasgow, but they the finally righted this whole we play in Europe and then we lose at the weekend uh, problem that they had. They they seem to have righted that, and uh, league wise, anyway, things things are looking pretty good for them this season. Yeah, well, obviously, excellent result on the weekend. Um, I mean, if you look at who they had playing though, uh, it's mm. a much stronger side than who they put out. Um, against Celtic and I had a chat with a Celtic writer after the game and he was a little bit shocked um, by maybe Ralph um, Ragnick's press conference. He was he was very grumpy, probably the right word. He cut down a female journalist from um, from the Leipzig paper mid-flow. She asked, are Leipzig unable to deal with big atmospheres and pointed out that uh, the occasions they played in big stadia across Europe, they've had a little bit of a wobble. Um, he cut her off mid-flow with just a nine and they moved on to the next question, so he's very grumpy. Um, but I said that for me, I feel that Leipzig going into Champions League last season um, and then dropping into the um, Europa League, I feel this is a, a bit of a, a, a non-competition for them. I don't think think they can win it, um, so therefore I don't think they're taking it seriously. So I think you can knock out um, the Europa League. I particularly don't think they'll get through because I don't think Ralph Ragnick wants them to get through. I think he can identify this season that the league um, is as open as it's ever been since Leipzig have been in the in the competition. Um, and they've got a, a good chance of finishing um, second or even third at the moment, or if they can pull a good run of games together, maybe they can even challenge Dortmund. So um, I think we'll see Leipzig's strength be played out in the um, in the Bundesliga. And yeah, this is an, an excellent game. Um, again, and, um, Paulson was excellent. You know, Manu Adam as his man of the match. Um, and yeah, I fully agree with that. And Leipzig are an interesting proposition to watch, especially at home. Um, because when they play the football the correct way, the Leipzig way, it's really fascinating to watch. Yeah, I mean, Manu, some people were suggesting, um, you know, that I've seen online, um, that, you know, RB Leipzig, obviously very exciting their the first year when they got promoted to the Bundesliga, um, you know, pushing Bayern and, you know, especially for the first half of the season. But maybe they tailed off. Maybe things weren't as exciting. They weren't as explosive as we hoped that they would continue to be. Would you say that this season is them kind of going back to that, especially domestically? Yes and no. Um, they are exciting to watch. They have only lost one game in the league. Um, I still think they're going to go through in Europe too because they only need to win their last two games and um, they should be able to beat a team from Norway and a team from Austria. So I think they, they can do it um, even if they pull out a second string side. But yeah, I, I you know... <laughs> what surprises me the most is the defense. I mean, they have the best defense in the league and that's how titles are won many argue right with the best defense in the league and i think of all the teams i've seen the top four they're the most likely to challenge dortmund um, simply because they they seem to be getting the results every week and um, they have been identified by many as the team to finish second um, many have disagreed on who's going to finish first we're not going to discuss that today um, 
for obvious reasons. But I think that Leipzig could be, maybe, maybe we'll see a title race completely without Bayern. Maybe it will be just Dortmund and Leipzig. That's very much possible. Yes, indeed. Very exciting. And as uh, Manu said earlier in the podcast, it, it's just, it's, it's nice to have a, an exciting Bundesliga and a, a competitive one, isn't it? Um, Could I just uh, I... jump in on, on, on Leipzig just quickly? Of course you may. Yeah, I just wanted to say that, um, I mentioned earlier in the season that, you know, I had faith in the fact that Rangnick would, would be able to figure this out. Um, and I think he's done that. I mean, there's so much rotation he's done here and so many players playing in a, in a variety of positions. Um, and I'm, I'm really impressed with what they're doing. As you said, Manu, their, their defense has been astounding. Seven out of the last eight matches in all competitions have been clean sheets. Um, and they're playing really exciting football. Really good attacking football, you know. A lot of players are, are contributing, and um, I think there's certainties to to stay in the top four. Uh, I'm, I balled up my video after the game yesterday because I said that uh, the top four is probably, you know, how it's going to finish at the end of the season. Obviously, um, that was meant to be top five, but then when I, I got down to the press room and I was thinking about it and looking at the table again, I I kind of expanded that to top six. You know, I just think that these teams in the top six, their attacks are just so good. Hoffenheim, I'm still a bit it's a bit worried about their, their defence but I think the top six, their attacks are just so good and they're going to score so many goals that that's going to enable them to, to stay ahead of the pack. Um, I just think now that I've been waiting for the moment to call it but I honestly think it's time now to say that Leverkusen and Schalke uh, are going to be extremely, extremely lucky to, to, to get in the top six. You know, They're going to have to win a, a massive amount of games and and these other teams are going to have to slip up. And, um, you know, I just don't see it happening. That's just the way I see it. But, um, yeah, I think that what, what Chris mentioned earlier in the season, and Mono brought it up, that this 10-11 game mark in the season is a good time to start seeing trends and things. And I just think that all the teams underneath the top six are just going to be so inconsistent. And as I said, teams in the top six will just score enough goals to keep them there. Yeah, well, nicely put. Matt says it's going to be a, an exciting season, hopefully, for all the Bundesliga fans um, going forward. Maybe not Bayern, but um, anyway, guys, I, I think we've run, more or less ran out of time after uh, covering that quite in, intensely. But I'm going to say this just before we go, and that team of the week is not going to go to uh, Borussia Dortmund. I'm going to give that to Cologne. FC won. Yes, it won. It won. Unbelievable, eh? Um, just felt we'd touch on that just before we go. Sorry, that's about it, though. There's, um, there's your player. I think Bayern needs to buy Simon Terroda. That's the answer to all the problems. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, the only thing is for Terroda, if they get relegated, they certainly score a lot of goals. But um, I don't know about this. Um, but Here yeah, comes Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> God, okay, Cordoba, he could be one for them, maybe. maybe not. Anyway, guys, I, I think that does it. Um, Matt, what have you got coming up uh, maybe this week or that you'd like to draw people's attention to online? Uh, I would be looking at the under-21 European playoffs. Uh, there's four teams there battling for the last two spots in the European Championships that will be held in Italy and San Marino in the summer. That's what I'll be focusing on anyway. And I'm looking forward to a huge return for the Bundesliga, hopefully attending um, three matches on uh, match day 12. So, yeah, stay, in, stay tuned for that. Busy as ever, Matt. Uh, Chris, what have you got coming up uh, this week or anything you'd like to uh, draw people's attention to? 
spare nothing. It's international break, which means I'm going to put my feet up. Um, it's been quite hard rhythm the last couple of weeks, so I'm going to enjoy a little break um, of the international sort of variety before I then go to Paris. Uh, that confirmed that I'll be at PSG Liverpool um, for football grads, so that's my next real big um, personal movement. Um, but yeah, like Matt, just looking forward to the league football coming back after the international break. Lovely stuff. And Manu, you also mentioned that it's a rather busy times uh, of recent. Um, you, you're probably looking forward to the international break as well. But what would you like to draw people's attention to? Yeah, we're going to have absolutely everything covered when Germany gets relegated from the super important UEFA Nations League. That's going to be our main we're, focus. We're going to completely brilliant. cover that. Every, every single moment of the cheers and breakdowns of um, getting relegated from the UEFA Nations League A, uh, a historic and wonderful long traditional competition that we care so much about. Yeah, that's going to be on Football Grad. To, to where I look forward to covering that in depth in the next podcast with you. Um, <laughs> yeah, thanks for tuning in. As always to everyone, if you need uh, any more uh, football um, information, you just head over to at Football Grad Live. As we always say, there's always tons on there. Even if the guys have their feet up, they're never that quiet. Uh, thank you for tuning in. I've been your host, Bryce Dunn. And yeah, that more or less does it. And hopefully you enjoy the international break. Auf Wiedersehen. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen, ich hab zu holen. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.